1: Coach Rodenfeld, Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we've got to talk some USC football. They are 3-0 after beating Texas in double overtime, 27-54. Today, we're going to talk to the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde, about what he saw out there. You guys have sent in a lot of questions. We'll try to get to them all. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That is our email address if you want to email us. Or you can call us at 424-254-9141. That's 424-254. Two five four nine one four one. That's our voicemail number and our text number. Um, any questions you send in, we're getting so many of them now. Please keep them concise. Keep the voicemail short. We're not going to play them if they're over a minute long. Uh, keep the questions to one topic. If you want to talk about every aspect of the game, we can't do that with every question. So have a take, question, whatever, one specific thing, and we'll try to do our, we'll do our best to answer those. If you want to uh, subscribe, we'd love that on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristyle podcast. Uh, We're also on Google Play and Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio and Boom and all different places uh, across the Internet where you can get podcasts. You can find the Peristyle Podcast. All right. And uh, so we're going to have right up in the first segment, we're going to have Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Later on the show, we're going to talk some uh, about the betting lines with Joe Duffy uh, from Offshore Insiders. Uh, So he's been uh, great with us the last couple of weeks talking about some of the Vegas lines and what they mean for USC and all that. So we're going to get to all of that today, and let's bring in the coach. What is up, coach? How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, buddy. Another Monday, that means another week of preparation and great football, and uh, we've got a lot of questions, and we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us here.
1: Yeah, thank uh, thanks everyone for coming. Uh, man, the show has been blowing up. Uh, so many people, we've got so many downloads. It's been awesome. Uh, we appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and... Listening to the show, and we want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, for Ho- Coach Harvey Hyde segment, as always, tickets.com is the website, or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287. Three home games in a row for USC, so you could get your tickets there. A um, couple road games coming up, and then USC comes back home. So if you need tickets for anything, or if you want to go, hey, I think Hamilton's in town, if you want to go see that in L.A., uh, other stuff, you know, other uh, concerts, theaters, things like that, you can go to sctickets.com. Uh, dot com. Um, coach, man, we got a ton of questions. Like I said, if you're going to send them in, please don't give us a whole recap of the game. Please, you know, give us a specific thing you want coach or me, or whoever to talk about. And we will do our best to do that. But we're getting, we get a lot of these coaches. Who are, they're just like kind of talking about everything. Uh, it makes it really hard, but the good thing I like coach. Well, we get international questions and, uh, our first one I'm going to read. It's from Japan. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but these are all, I'm going to try to group some of these together and kind of give you a chance to, you know, talk about everything. Um, but a lot of questions about play calling and the game plan. So I'm going to read you, I think there's like three of them in a row. So uh, excuse me uh, for the long read, but I want to kind of group them together and then we'll get your thoughts on all of these topics, coach. Uh, first up, Kenichiwa from Longtime Listener in Japan. Uh, I know you often talk about the importance of an offense having an identity in a post-game interview with tight end Tyler Petit. He said that USC's identity is to run the ball. He said on film, Texas defenders sometimes got out of their lane, so by returning to the run, the Trojans were hoping to spring one. Yet by halfway into the third quarter, it seemed clear the runs up the gut weren't working. So I wonder, uh, can being committed to an offensive identity sometimes limit a team's ability to improvise during a game and make the best play calls? I thought that was a great point. Thanks and fight on, Brian from Japan. Uh, Tarek says, since USC's run... Uh, out of the shotgun, why didn't USC run some Sam Darnold a few times to keep the defense honest? So he wants to mix it up with the quarterback. And then Eric, Sir Eric of Troy texted in and said, Hey, Ryan, I have a question for Coach Hyde. Am I the only one who thought the game plan and play calling against Texas was just awful? Why did we insist on running directly into the teeth of the Texas defense between the tackles with no less than seven men in the box each time? It was clear to me that we had more speed and could beat them on the edge, but with either too arrogant or too blinded by the Stanford game, so accept the fact that we are not just moving those corn fed Texas hogs off the line of scrimmage. Fourth and goal from the one was just screaming for play action pass or a quarterback run around the end. So my question is, would you game plan and play call would your game plan and play calling be different, or is it just me that thinks T Martin was it just was just a bit too full of Stanford? Love the show and look forward to your educational response, Sir Eric of Troy. Okay. So apologize, coach, all that, but kind of in the same vein. Get your thoughts on the play calling and game plan.
2: Yes, uh, uh, I think they all, all are all related to questions. First of all, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> on, on all of them. First of all, uh, let me say, uh, that, uh, they were not stretching the defense with the run. They were stretching the defense with the quick screen, bubble screens, all the screens they were running to the right and the left with the backs and, and, uh, and receivers and so on. Uh, they, and you've heard me say this uh, every week, it's a one-back offense. And when you have a one-back offense, uh, uh, it's very difficult. Your quarterback's got to be the second running back. Now, if you're not going to allow him to be the second running back to hold the backside and so on, then you got to go to a two-back set. And I think a two-back set would really help them, especially with two great running backs, because if you're your running backs and you're not sure who's going to get the ball, the backside has to stay there. Backside cannot pursue down the line of scrimmage. If you watch that football game, they're even slanting. The whole defensive line was slanting to the left and uh, because they knew also that Donald liked to be flushed out to the offensive right side to throw the ball, so they were slanting to the left. So you have to watch that type of stuff, and when you do that slanting and you have a two-back set or a quarterback keep, it's all over with. There's nobody out there. They kept a corner out there to sort of watch it, but they, he can't stop that. So, uh, yes, I agree with that 100%. Uh, You've got to hold the backside run. I agree also down there in the fourth. And, you know, when you, you can't continue running uh, into the defensive strength. And the defensive strength of Texas, you won't find a defensive line like that uh, again the rest of the season. I tell you, this kid, Pope, number 95, and Lick Jackson, uh, number 46, the linebacker, And those are two great uh, players. You're going to see them playing in the NFL. And you kept running into the strength of that. You've got to keep them guessing, and you've got to keep them off balance by being able to go either way. And the fourth down play, we had four, I think, four down plays. We didn't make it. Fourth down plays, uh, especially the one that they call a timeout, and they came back in and ran up the middle of the field. Uh, they were unsuccessful the first two or three times, and they did it again on the fourth play. They were screaming for a bootleg where you give uh, Donald an a, uh, option. You put the back in the flat. Uh, from a two-back set, you bring the tight end across, and he comes out on the bootleg. You run, run guy, first guy in, in the middle or off tackle, and he comes back around, and if the back's open, he dumps it to him. If not, he runs it in or hits the drag guy. Can't cover it all. I, I said that myself, especially when they called timeout. I said, well, they're going to make it a run-pass option of some type where you get into the end zone, because obviously you weren't having any success running the middle of the line. And as you went along during the game, uh when you don't make those short yardage plays. All you do is encourage Texas that they can play with you. Yeah, you know, open the, In the first part of the game, you had four-opportunity score, and you missed the field goal at the same time. And all of a sudden, Texas said, we can play with these guys. And, and they certainly could. Their defense uh, is a great defense. I don't care what Maryland did against them. Now, let's don't look back. Let's look forward. This team has improved this team is a very physical great with great athletes playing on the defensive side of the football so yeah, I thought that it was vanilla the play calling. I thought that there should be more play action to get these guys in to suck in so you can hit the hit the receivers. I didn't like the routes at all they still haven't found their third receiver, which is something that I've been crying for now for about six weeks and uh, the tight end is not really. You're not getting your productivity at all out of the tight end. Yes, you hit him on two couple of quick stop routes, but you got to learn and teach him how to slide to the open area. Dante Burnett is only the really receiver that he looks for now, but he finds the open area. And I would just throw this into their crossing routes and the routes that they're running. Sometimes the receivers have no idea where the sticks are. They'll run around at seven yards and it's nine yards to go for first down, or they'll run around at two yards coming across in front of the linebackers. And when linebackers are great athletes, you know, you don't even make, you make one yard. You need five yards to get a first down. So that's a quick summary of answering your three questions.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks to Brian in Japan, Tarek Surik of Troy. Uh, sort of along the, line, uh, along the same lines, Coach, uh, you can span a little bit. Here is a voicemail question
3: for you. Hello, Ryan, Coach Hyde. Uh, how you both doing? Uh, congratulations to the men of Troy. Uh, what a satisfying win. I thought all along it would be a tough battle because Texas is a much better football team than their record indicates, and uh, quite naturally everybody wants to beat USC. I thought uh, Coach T uh, didn't do one as better – coaching jobs last night. He kept trying to force the issue as opposed to just taking what the defense was giving you. And uh, with our defensive coordinator, I still say he's got to go more aggressive on third and long situations instead of uh, always going soft on third and long. And most of the time teams are converting on us. But other than that, I thought the kids played a terrific game uh, our head coach, man, what, what a cool guy under pressure. And I can't say enough about our quarterback. Sure. Uh, I don't blame him for those interceptions and what I do admire about him. He doesn't let it bother him. He just continues to uh, stay the course. And uh, I'd like to congratulate the men of Troy and also him. Thank you very much.
2: All right, to answer your question, first of all, the drops certainly don't help. They had four or five drops during the game. It's depressing when you're a quarterback and you throw the ball to your uh, your receivers and they drop passes. And these are not difficult catches. One led to a defensive touchdown. Here you just had a tremendous defensive stand. I would call it almost a series of the game. A sack by Port Augusta, a sack by Port Augusta, and another sack, I think it was by Rector. Fourth and 28, fourth and 28. You hold them. And then again, you come back out and uh, throw an interception uh, and they go in 7-7 seven, seven at half. Not to say you went down the field and scored a touchdown. And I think that was a great, uh, with Jones in the open field. But you know, you're still up by seven points. You would have been up by seven points with the momentum on your side as far as you went it, You had your momentum with that score, but I mean, as far as dominating, only giving up 90 yards in the first half and defense not allowing any type of scores. On As far as the third down calls and plays and so on and going after the quarterback more, if you saw they were doing the things that uh, everybody's going to be doing more and more and more is attacking the corners. They put big receivers on the corners. We saw Stanford do it at the end of the game. They should have done it earlier. And you're going to see other teams doing this, 6'5 receivers, 6'4 receivers going against the corners as far as throwing routes up high, Jack Jones made one tremendous interception, taking the ball away from the defensive or the offensive receiver. But it was an, almost a, uh, an offensive uh, reception. So sometimes you're going to have to apply a little bit more pressure in order to assist your defensive coordinator. So you can't play man; you got to get a man play more zone, or whatever you're going to do, because you've got to help your corners. But your corners right now can't handle the load. And if you watch them, they almost have holding on every play. Uh, Eamon Marshall uh, 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 so they're very fortunate there weren't more pass interferences called let me just put it to you that way Uh, so I think that answers your question Uh, I think that uh, uh, you've got to put a pride pressure if they're going to throw to the big receivers and you've got to play and and maybe cover their tight ends a little bit more if they're not going to utilize their tight ends at all uh, and play a linebacker coverage with that but You know, we'll see what happens. I know if I was playing USC, I would do more double coverage with receivers and the slots and leave the tight end to a linebacker.
1: You you know, you mentioned Iman Marshall there, Coach. We have a voicemail question about that, so we'll jump right in there. Hey, this is Don from the East Coast. Uh,
0: Fight on. Uh, Calling uh, this message for Coach and for you, Ryan. Is it me or does it seem like Iman Marshall has a penalty every game? I don't know if you
3: guys realize, but he reminds me a lot
0: of when Chris Hawkins was playing cornerback for, for for the Trojans, and they had to switch him to safety because he was getting penalties every single game. He could not cover anybody, and I'm a, I think Marshall's getting a pass because he was a five star recruit coming out, but he has struggled since his freshman year on one on one coverages. Like it's just it it's just it's just it's just so frustrating as a Trojan fan. So. You know, hope you guys get back to me and let me know. Fight on from the East Coast. I hope we pull up this game. Thanks, guys. Bye.
2: Well, yeah, we've been saying that all along. I think I said it last year when I thought he should be an inside guy. He just doesn't feel comfortable out there on the bubble. He's a more physical type of guy, more of a hitter type of guy, good nickelback type of guy. He, out there when you're all by yourself playing, man, you know, you got to feel real confidence, and I think it's a little bit, you know, he's lost confidence out there. He's all over the receivers, touching them every down. And uh I don't know if it's just a, a lack of confidence or being too stiff or getting your hips around, but he fears a dear, deep pass on him. And, uh, you know, sometimes he lets the receiver run up on him and then he turns and then tries to catch him and is in really poor position as far as looking back and making the play. He's, he's trying to hold him. So, yeah, he lacks the confidence of playing out there, uh, and uh, I don't know. You know, they continually play him there, and I think he's a great kid. Nothing against him. Is his position a corner in the NFL? Absolutely not. I think they they, they should put him maybe where they can utilize him more and find a corner. You know, uh, if I'm playing USC, I'm putting my speed guy on him, okay? Because it scares him to death, and I'm putting my big receiver, a more route guy on Jones because of of his size. So I'm not trying to give game plans to our opponent, but what I'm trying to do is tell you what I think the weaknesses are. And, you know, uh, you ask me these questions and when you ask me these questions, I'm not trying to be negative. First of all, I I thought it was a great win. Let me just tell you great football game to watch. But when you go in on Sunday, you say, how did they hurt us? Why are they hurting us? What are we doing wrong? And how we can get better. And these are the ways we're trying to answer these questions.
1: Um, we got one from uh, China. So we had Japan, now we have China. Um, let's see, we got, thank God for uh, we are 3-0 and for the first time after I immigrated to the U.S. and watched USC football. I agree with you, Ryan, that once we got 3-0, and life will be much easier. But my question is, what happened to our offensive line? Is the Texas front seven still too good? It looked like every time uh, we play against good teams from the east, like Bama, Penn State, Texas, our running game was not functioning well. Thanks and fight on. Cheers from Yi.
2: Well, you know, you've got to help your offensive line, too. First of all, you're going against a very physical defensive line. Like I said earlier, that's the best defense front that you're going to face. I'll tell you, I, I was really impressed by them. Uh, they take no prisoners. You've got to get after them. When you lost Juma, that really did hurt. I think Voorhees really did struggle during the game as far as, you know, coming in and playing against a great front like they did. Uh, Struggled pass blocking wise and, and other areas, which uh, you know he's a true freshman, so he's going to have a tough time. I'm not sure if Clayton Johnson would do a better job there. Not. I'm not trying to pick the personnel, but I'm just saying uh, when you go against great players like that, that's a that's a tough matchup. Uh, again, uh, uh, when you find that type of of, uh, of, of up front, you got to help them. I mean, they were slanting to the play. You're running to their strength. You weren't stretching the defense. You didn't hold the backside. You've got to do some things to assist your offensive lineman at the same time of being able to uh, exploit the defense and, and assist with your running back. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things. That, the only way they tried to stretch the defense, they ran one little quick turnaround type of uh, bootleg where they hit Mitchell for about a 30-yard gain. Uh I didn't think they ran any two-back offense whatsoever. I haven't charted a game that way, so I don't know. But uh you've got to hold the backside. Uh, you didn't really run one bootleg at all to the outside. So, you know, it, it's tough uh to run against guys inside when that's the only place where you're running. So, you know, it, uh, especially when you get when you against studs. So, uh you know, that was a battle on the line, and you've got to assist those guys, you know. Keeping them off
1: balance, if nothing else. Yeah, it was tough. We talked to, uh, I talked to Nico Fala, coach, about it a little bit, and he said that they did stuff on film they hadn't seen. There was a lot of movement, um, slant, stuff that they hadn't seen before, and it really confused the offensive line. But it kind of, kind of goes in the same grain. I, I agree with the, the, the callers and the people that were writing in. I mean, if something's not working, do you want to really, want to keep doing it? <laughs> like, you should probably do something else. Uh, but the, yeah, it just, it was not working there. The offensive line seemed confused. Um, it was like Texas was daring USC to throw and, uh, USC really wasn't doing it. They kept trying to do the same thing and, you know, you it just wasn't working.
2: No, you're exactly right. You can't, you know, if, if I do this and you stop me, I'm going to do that. You've got to balance it out. You can't just continually do the same thing and same thing and same thing, but you lose your confidence too of your offensive team. So you've got it's like playing chess or doing anything else. You can't stop everything on the field. So if you're stopping this and for some reason then and you're loading up on me or doing certain things, that then I've got to be able to counteract that. And USC didn't do that.
1: Uh, let's do another voicemail for you, Coach. A lot of people calling in. Here you go.
4: Hello, Ryan. Coach I, Don Archer from Upland, California. USC needed to expense a game like this for many reasons. It taught them how to stay composed in the midst of adversity, which I actually thought they did a good job of all game long. Championship teams have this quality. This type of game, I believe, will serve them well as the season progresses. Even though Sam Donaldson didn't have a great game statistically, he did what he needed to do down the stretch of the game, and that was to put his team in a position to win the game. Still a major concern of mine, is the play of the USC's corners. Not acceptable. Also, I'd like to talk about the fourth down play on the goal line where Ronald Johnson failed to get in the end zone. Wrong play. Texas defensive ends were closing down, and the play to a run would have been to fake to Ronald Johnson and have Sam roll out. He could have walked in the end zone. Oh, yeah. That takes me back to my playing days. Right
2: on, USC. Donald, Donald, it's good to hear from you again. And, you know, we sort of covered that earlier. And uh, we more or less, uh, I agreed with you on that. First of all, I want to commend the USC team for the effort they gave in that football game. Ryan, you you follow me on my tweets. And if all of you are out there that want to follow me, after every quarter, I tweet out my thoughts on what they need to do. When uh, the fourth quarter started, one of my comments were, it's now down to who wants it the most everybody's beat up, everybody's tired. Now is when it makes a difference in the game on who's going to be the playmaker to make it happen. And then I go through the details of what who needs to do, and a lot of it we're talking about today, but I sort of suggested it during the, the tweets. But again, now, yeah, the corner play, we discussed already, Donald. And we talked about that. They need help out there. They've got to change. They can't play man the way they're doing. If they're going to play man like that, then they've got to put more pressure and get to him, it certainly was obvious when they lost Green and lost Port Augustine, how the defense really dropped back. I'm not quite sure if the right people are playing some of the positions. You saw Levi Jones. I've been screaming about Levi Jones since I saw that they signed him. The way he blitzed through there and chased down the quarterback, a hurry to throw, I think he'd be great on the edge. I just think he'd be so awesome on the edge. He came in when Cameron Smith dislocated his finger. He came in and blew through there on his side. He can run. I think you got to get off the edge. They lost contain the entire game towards the end especially, and that's where the quarterback was getting extra time to throw the football. Uh, they kept going inside. You can't go inside on your rush when you're the end man in the line of scrimmage But on any contain. They just roll out, and it gives them more time to throw the football. They've got to get that worked out. I thought Port Augustine and uh, Wauso well, were doing a good job on that earlier in the game, but then it dropped really off. So uh, I agree with you. We talked about the the play in the end zone down there. You know, you got to stretch the defense even on the on the goal line. Got to keep them guessing. And uh, I said bootleg with with an option. If he'd kept the ball, he'd have walked in there too.
1: We had some uh, some people that want to express their optimism. Uh, the G said, "Hey, the team is three and zero. One and zero each week is the goal. Mission accomplished. Uh, so that's a point. And then." We had uh, Daniel from L.A. call in. He, it was like a two-minute voicemail. Sorry, buddy. I can't uh, play that whole thing for you. Um, way too long. But he said he called it a weightlifting game, and he said you won't see a team like Texas again on the schedule. He, overall, he was happy with the USC's win. It's not the NFL. Mistakes happen, and, uh, you know, these are 19-year-old kids. But uh, those two guys, the G and Daniel, were kind of more optimistic, like saying, hey, USC still won. Move on and uh, keep going.
2: No, I agree with you. I just mentioned it a moment ago. They played hard the entire game. They found a way to win. You have a freshman kicker that comes in and makes two key kicks that uh, I closed my eyes on. And uh, I thought it was tremendous. A tremendous win the way they came back and won, especially with that last, uh, the two drives that they did offensively. Tremendous drives, tremendous uh, catches, throws, the whole thing to make that all happen, but they can still get better. There's a lot of things you watch if you have the knowledge of football, of how you can utilize your personnel more, and I'm sure USC is going to do this. In the heat of the moment, sometimes you can't do a lot of coaching on the field during that time, but you've got to do a lot of coaching now off the tapes to explain that. I still don't think they get the use out of the tight end, and we just said a minute ago, we've got to get the third receiver in there. They've got to find out who that's going to be. And uh, they continually, uh, you know, Now I'm not going to give any more scouting things out, but but uh, uh, they, they will get better, and they're going to have to get better. And I agree with you. Texas is a, a tremendous football team, very physical, and that's why you have the injuries you have. They've had two very physical football games back-to-back, back-to-back. You saw what happened to Stanford. Stanford had a very physical loss to USC the week before. They went down to San Diego State. I think San Diego State is the same type of team as Stanford, but they beat Stanford. And if you watch that football game, they're just physical. I think Stanford was just tired. You call it tired. Now coming off of a game like Stanford, you can't help but be tired. And as you know, Houston didn't play and other players didn't play. And you know, Porter played with two screws at his his toe and all these different things. And when you have another game with Texas, you got more guys hurt. But that's what it's all about. It's a physical football game. If you come down and you still only got eleven guys, you got to play the game, and someone's got to step up. We talk about that all the time. So you got to make sure you have key players in the key positions. And uh, as a player, you've got to learn when off of what other people are doing. So when you go in, you don't make the same damn mistakes. So uh, that's where we are. Every week, uh, you got to get better.
1: Earl uh, in West LA had a few points about. Um Dropping passes and uh, not you know, running routes that were deep enough for a third down. So, Coach already talked about that. Thanks for that one, Earl. Um, Klain in Seattle has an interesting one. The Texas game wasn't pretty, but a win is a win. My question While I love a Jane on defense, he's talking about a Jane Harris. When do we consider revamping our punt and kickoff and kick return options? Klain in Seattle.
2: Well, I, I have to agree with that. I said, I don't really think we're getting the necessary coverage. We're not getting coverage, good coverage at all. When you look at the statistics, 29 yards, 30 yards, things like that, you can't have that type of stuff, coverage uh, or kickoff returns or punt returns. you got to have better uh, coverage on the kickoff and punt returns. Uh, uh, it, it's just something that you got to do. you got to work on it. And I don't think any team spends more time in the country than USC does on the special teams. It certainly did uh, win the football game, though, when you talk about the field goals. Now, earlier in the game, when he missed that, I said, oh, no. Because he just shanked that one. But he came back under pressure, and he had done it before at uh, modern-day high school, so I had the confidence he could do it again, and he did. And uh, that that won the football game. And I think Rector's stripping of the football might have been the play of the game also. You look at other big plays, but you forget plays that sort of get lost that no one talks about. They talk about it but not to the limit that it should be talked about or the heights. I mean stripping that football down there and be alert be alert enough to look at it, not just stand there and but reach down and strip that football, that's that's instinct and thinking. And then uh, Harris I think fell on the football and they were able to win the football game. I think that's what's huge. That type of play too. And people sometimes forget that and they forget the tip football and it counts against the defense when the team runs back in an interception like that. I mean, when you look in the first half, the defense just played their you-know-what off and gave up only 90 yards and would have had a shutout in the first half except for that play.
1: Um, it on the defense, Coach, uh, Dennison Lancaster, I know Clancy Pendergast does not like to rotate players, but after all the injuries we had on defense, well, he his stubborn ways. Our backups did not look comfortable at all. Love the show and fight on.
2: Well, I didn't think they played up to their ability. I, I You know, I'm not going to just talk about certain players, but some players didn't give me the effort or give see, the effort I thought they could give. Uh, didn't look like they were as quick as what I thought. They, should play, they played as hard as they could after having a lot of time to rest. Uh, I didn't see the, the performance uh, in that fourth quarter, third quarter, that that I expected from some of the players, and I think maybe there are better players that aren't playing. Uh, at least I, I hope, in some times, as far as the efforts that we saw, we had a freshman tackle too that didn't play, number 51. I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not going to embarrass myself or him. But uh, yes, it did not play. They did not play up to the ability to lost contain, uh, and you have to put a rush on them when they're mismatching your corners, as they did. And you got to get after him, and they did not get after him to that ex- that that extent. So I, I would evaluate the film, and I'd say, you know, we got to have quicker guys, because they weren't very quick on the defensive side of the football towards the end of the game, and those guys hadn't played the entire game. So uh, without mentioning names, I think you got to look at it and see just what we need to do. I should not keep saying we. I should be just saying what USC needs. Do, but I
1: can't help but do that. <laughs> no problem, coach. Um, we got a couple questions on the linemen. Hey, coach. See, uh, coach Harvey Hyde said that USC linemen has, they had to get better at finishing the block. I agree. What things could the coaches do to get the line, uh, blocking better? That's from Art in the Bay Area. And then Big Nick in Cyprus, uh, was happy they won, uh, roller coaster winner, but he wants to know, why USC had such a hard time running the ball versus Texas after beating up Stanford?
2: Well, uh, I think because they came into the game stopped wanting to stop the run. They came in and said, we've got to stop the running backs. And they spent a lot of time in loading the box and being physical and challenging their defensive linemen, who I, I am telling you, that's the best front you're going to face the entire year. Physical, tough guys. Really good and not intimidated, and accepted the challenge, and knew they had nothing to lose but come in and and play great football. I said, I think on my post-game show, I said it was a shame one team had to lose because they both played so hard. They really did play hard, both teams. I would have hated to ride back on the plane to Texas with the Texas teams. I wouldn't have known what to tell them. So, uh, they they came in to play, and the only way that you can help your offensive line, and not that your offensive line didn't try, is you've got to run more diversity and be able to do different things to hold them so they can't do what they did. They, you know, when you hand off to one back and you're not going to give it to the quarterback, everybody knows where the football is going to be. So you've got to be able to have jet sweep come back. You've got to have the quarterback hold the ball. It's a one-back offense. So your quarterback's got to either keep the ball or you've got to have somebody else getting outside. I've been suggesting a two-back offense so that you hold the backside, and that way you can still get your play-action pass you can still put your backs into the flat to make up for or in a circle route or different areas for your tight end or, or the receiver you're losing. So you've got to do something to maintain the stretching of the defense because the only way they stretch the defense, and they did it successfully, was throw the quick screen out at the outside. They got a lot of yards. It really does uh depend a lot on the blocking of the receiver guy that's out there as far as the guy that has to block the corner that's coming up to force that play. So, uh you know, Dante Burnett got blown up a couple of times. But he's not the biggest guy in trying to, to block a physical corner or safety coming up to stop that play. So you've got to have other ways to be able to do that with pass-run option, uh, jet, two-back sweep, two-back type of offenses, two-back sweeps different things to off the two-back sweep, leg, different things to keep the backside honest so they can't just all pursue to the play.
1: Uh, let's see. We'll, we'll do one last one for you, Coach. T-Dog, he said, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, we all love you, and, and thank you for the Trojan service you provide us. Uh, you are greatly appreciated. Um, I really enjoy your perspective, Coaching Insights Coach, and I really think you guys are all-star cast to provide candidates objective evaluations of our beloved Trojan football program. So thank you for that. He wants to know what's going on with Jack Jones. He seems to fall slip and or opposing quarterbacks seem to pick on him often, specifically with slipping. There seems to be a problem during the first three games with our DBs. Can you provide us some insight uh, now how uh, Jack Jones is doing this season and uh, how overall the, the defensive backs are doing as a group?
2: Well, you know, it's easier to evaluate a defensive back because he's out there all by himself, so we all see the mistakes a defensive back does. So you got to re- realize there's other guys making decent, de- <laughs> defensive mistakes, but they're not as visible. Because normally when a defensive back makes a mistake, wow, it's a first down or a home run or a touchdown or something. So, you know, you, you've got to remember it's a very difficult type of position to play, but not only are you covering as far as... Uh, their best receivers or fastest guys on the team just support you've got a year expected to come up support on the run so it's a very difficult position to play and you've got to be sort of a cocky type of player that plays out there that accepts this challenge now i'm not saying jack jones isn't that type of person he predicted he's going to win the heisman trophy as a freshman last year so he's got the attitude it's just uh you know, uh, you've got to play that. It takes a lot of technique and a lot of confidence. You learn by getting beat. That's the way you learn. But again, it's it's the way you are him too. You know, they're attacking him by size, and that, and and that's a tough thing to do because if you're five ten, five eleven, and I'm I've never stood next to Jack Jones, but I don't know how tall he is, but I'm guessing I'm about right, and you're six four, six five, that's like a guard guarding a center in basketball. It's a difficult thing to do, and yet you can't touch him, you can't wrap around him, you can't do a lot of things, or it's pass interference. And then again on the other side, you've got Marshall, who probably runs legit 4.65, and, and you know, I might criticize people. say, I'm crazy, but I'm saying that's what it appears. And you've got guys over there where you're going to put your speed guy. So, you know, you lose confidence. You say, I know I'm not fast as that guy, so i got to do something to slow him down. So I'm going to hold him, or he's going to run away from me. So it's a very difficult type of position to play, because everybody can evaluate me, or them, because they're out there where you can see them. Inside, a lot of times, you can't evaluate all the players and some of the key mistakes they're making.
1: Hey, Coach, I know we were trying to rush through this because we had some limited time today, but... uh before we let you go, any, any other thoughts you wanted to share on the game, something that maybe the questions weren't covering?
2: Well, I, I just think that, you know, I, I've been saying this every week, you've got to find out who your third receiver is. Right now I'd vote for Tyler Vaughn. Not that I've seen him play a lot or coached him, but he's a bigger type of receiver, and I think he's got good hands, and I think he'll get better every week if you play him. Nothing against anybody else who's made that effort. But I think he deserves the opportunity. I think you've got to improve on your tight end play. Sure, he caught a couple of passes, but I think you've got to you got to become a more physical type of blocker, as well as a a receiver and learning to to keep spread the field and not be by receivers. You can have two receivers right next to each other, and you got to sit down and find the open area. It's your responsibility to find the open area. They can't cover the whole field, and I think a two back set would really help them a lot as far as what they've done. I like play-action pass and what you get your run going. Your play-action pass will be really great. Uh, uh, let me think here. Uh, you hit me cold with this. this uh, sorry, of the Coach. Defensive side of, you know, defensive side of the football, I think you've got to bring along your defensive front. You've got to get them ready to play this week against Cal. Cal's going to come into the game very confident. They're 3-0. They had a big win over Old miss, they're gonna, you know, try to take advantage. So really USC can't let up. They gotta go up there ready to play. And you can't beat a team like Texas and Stanford and then lose to Cal. Now you're one and one in Pac-Twelve. You gotta go up there, you got better kids, you got a better program, and you gotta beat Cal. I'm not talking about I think they opened up a fourteen point favorite or something, but they gotta go up and beat Cal. That's just all you gotta do. Because if you beat all these other teams that you had a battle with and you lose a game you're supposed to win, you've got to be good enough to take your lunch pail, go up there and win a football game and come home and get ready for your Friday game against Washington State, who will probably be undefeated too. So you've got to be playing two undefeated teams in a row, Cal and Washington State, and they're both going to want you know what. So you've got to be good enough to be able to do that. And I think this is what this team is challenged with.
1: Coach Harvey Hyde great stuff as always man um, a lot of questions we do appreciate everyone writing in and calling in and texting in um, a lot of you upset USC fans I guess you could say coach but there's some you know some happy ones too At the end of the day USC is three and0 and uh we'll see if, obviously if they play like that you're gonna lose some games but you know hopefully they can uh, play a little bit better going forward.
2: Well, every day and every way, you try to get every, you know, a little better and better. View myself, I need to improve on things. I think Ryan, everybody does out there. And when you got the whole world watching you, not only a 84,000 plus in the Coliseum, but a national TV audience, everybody's got an opinion. We want to thank all of you for calling in and checking on
1: us. Yeah, thanks for that. And uh, coach, thank you. And uh, make sure you check out the coach. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or his website, HarveyHyde.com. dot com. And also thank to our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to SCTickets.com if you need tickets for anything. We'll be back in uh, one minute talking with Joe Duffy from Offshore Insiders.
4: Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast.
1: You know, ever since I started the Peristyle Podcast 10 years ago, people have been asking me for betting advice, and mostly if I think USC will be covering the point spread. Well, let me tell you this. Where you are betting is just as important as which side you are betting on. That's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie's been in business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payout. Seriously, just two business days. You know who's going to win, right? Lay down some cash, and you can win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they definitely have. That's why I'm telling you make your way over to mybookie.ag because they pay. And they also have in game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. So go now to mybookie.ag. They will match your deposit with a 100% bonus if you use the promo code peristyle. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid.
4: We now return to the Peristyle podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
1: All right, we're going to welcome back in Joe Duffy. He's the CEO of OffshoreInsiders.com. He's here on behalf of MyBookie.ag. want to talk a little bit about the the betting lines for USC football. Since we get a lot of questions about those, we thought we'd bring in an expert. Joe, thanks for coming in. How are you doing, man?
0: Yeah, thank you for having me, Ryan. Like I think I said, you know, how can you not want to worry about the betting line? That's the most important thing to some of us, but maybe not to the – usc fans maybe it's the second most important thing
1: it does sneak into you know even like the broadcast you can see like oh that like could be a touchdown at the end of a game that wasn't important for some you know if the game is like out of hand so it could like swing the betting (laughs) line one way or other so everyone it's on everybody's mind i think
0: yeah not surprisingly brent musburger who has since retired to start his own um sports handicapping or sports gambling Broadcast company, he was famous for doing that. Al Michaels, of course, who doesn't do college games, but in the NFL games, he alludes to it often. And yeah, I definitely heard some other Chris Fowler is uh, on top of that. So yeah, you can definitely hear the
1: announcers allude to it, sometimes not so subtly. So this one, we'll do a quick Texas recap. Uh twenty seven twenty four double overtime. Uh my initial thoughts, like when I do my Pac 12 podcast, I pick Texas with the points. Um, obviously with the you know, three score game. Texas covered uh, easily in this one.
0: Yeah, and we were talking last week. I said that it could be a letdown spot for USC obviously off of the big win against Stanford. Texas is kind of one of those predictably unpredictable teams. When you have a team like Texas, you don't really know what you're going to get. They do have a new coach. I said I wasn't a fan of Todd Herman, but with the uncertainty taking the big points there is usually a good bet and they did cover easily. Uh but what I was sweating out, I didn't touch the side but I had the under at mybookie.ag, and it was under 66.5, only 34 points scored in regulation. But when you've got the under and a game goes into overtime, especially more so college football than any other sport where the goofy rules, I don't really like the overtime rules, but they can pile up points in a hurry. To say the least, I started to sweat it out, especially when USC scores on the first play in overtime. I'm like, this is going to be one of the biggest heartbreakers of my life. But it did manage to stay <laughs> under the total, despite uh, – Two touchdowns and a field goal in overtime and then when usc was stopped i'm like oh geez now neither team's going to score in the second overtime this is going to be a is a heartbreaking loss i'll talk about for years but i dodged it it stayed under
1: yeah yeah because i guess if uh, usc wouldn't have scored then you know there's a lot more chance for points after that um yeah what it could have been one of those backdoor horrible bad beats sort of things uh if you had the under that game um with Cal, though, coming, uh, USC is going to go on the road for the first time. And uh, Cal, as everyone thought, was 3-0. and No, we didn't think that. So they had a big win on the road against North Carolina. They beat Ole Miss at home, which seems a little strange, but uh still a, a fairly big point spread. But what's what What do you think about this USC and Cal game?
0: Yeah, USC is laying uh, 16 and a half on the road at mybookie.ag. It's another one we talked about how last week could be a little bit of a letdown. Well, was, but when you consider that Just after playing Stanford, then they have a double overtime game, and they hit the road for back-to-back games possible. Look ahead, they play at number 18, Washington State. So you can see how this is what uh, we handicappers like to call a sandwich game. Uh, You know, after, like I said, a a game that was a little tougher than they expected when the overtime and then with a big game on the road uh, ahead of that, it may be a tough spot, but was a little surprised. Uh, Road favorites of 14 or more. And when facing an opponent ranked 18 or better in their next game, 75 and 43 against the spread. So that's counterintuitive to what I would have thought, where it might be a sandwich game. But historically, no teams that are big favorites and possibly looking ahead to a road, a very good team on the road, actually do pretty well. And um, in in fact, well, I should say, if they're playing a ranked opponent, whether it's home or on the road, the next game it's 75 and 43, but If their next game is on the road against a ranked opponent, even better percentage-wise, 25 and 10 at Uh, 71.4%. And even, you know, teams that are playing their first road game in Game 4, a pretty decent 138-118. So, you know, again, maybe a lot of people would say, look, it's their first road game, very tough spot. But historically, teams in situations that USC is in covered, which, you know, surprised me. But that's why I've got to test my theories in my database and what I may have thought as a knee-jerk reaction is not actually the case.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting for me because you know, people were kind of down on USC after the first game, they didn't play that well. Uh Texas really when USC was relying on the run game against Stanford, Stanford couldn't stop it. Texas could. Texas was doing all kinds of blitzes and slants and stuff on the on the offensive front. Um, I think that really put the USC offensive line in a bind. They couldn't block anybody, the running game couldn't get going, and for whatever reason USC kind of stubbornly stayed in that mentality and kept trying to run when there was guys in the backfield at every play. I'm not seeing Cal do that kind of thing, but I mean, I, you know, we'll see. You know, uh, Justin Wilcox, the head coach, knows USC well. Tim DeRuiter is a, a great defensive coordinator. He's a former head coach at Fresno State, and he was at Texas A&M before that. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting, but I, I'm kind of leaning towards USC covering on this one. I don't know what you think.
0: Yeah, like I said, that would have been my initial reaction, and then my database kind of talked me out of it. But I do <laughs> like, I do like the fact that, look, as you said, Justin Wilcox, he's a new coach. So, you know, 90% of the game's half mental. Cal has new life. They're playing very well under the new coach. They've, the underdog has actually covered all three of their games by 13 or more points. So Cal thus far has played up or down to the uh, competition, which is good. Now, one thing that, uh, betters might want to be aware of, Cal has done very well. Uh, outscoring teams in the second half by 57 to 13, and that's of course what we call a backdoor cover. Cal has been pretty good playing in second halves of uh, games, and that might, you know, when you're getting such big points, and especially at home, where you think you, you know, you don't want to get blown out at home, there's a little bit of extra motivation. Maybe Cal could sneak in there at the back door. USC betters could think they've got this game uh, wrapped up, and then Cal gets that late touchdown uh, to, to, to cover. So it's a little bit of a tough game. I think from a handicapping standpoint, USA, we know is dominate the series straight up. They've also covered 10 out of 11 wow. in the series. So they've, they've dominated both straight up and against the spread. So this is a game that most likely at offshore I'm going to stay away from if anything, once the total comes out, maybe I'll take a look at betting the total at my but I'm pretty sure I'll be passing on the game as far as against the spread.
1: One uh, one last one, just Sam Darnold. He's got two picks in every game, so uh, you know he's kind of dropped down the Heisman odds a little bit. But maybe get a quick thought on on Sam Darnold's Heisman chances.
0: Yeah, he clearly has to improve on that uh, touchdown interception ratio. Um, look, he, all those interceptions were at home. So we talked about USC hitting the road. Well, he's already thrown what six interceptions at home. Now he does hit the road, but he is still up there among the favorites. MyBookie.ag will probably be posting the lines a little bit later today, but from some of my sources, it looks like he and Lamar Jackson are tied for second. Baker Mayfield is now the odds one favorite at plus 175. Of course, for Oklahoma, who knows? The Heisman could be decided in Bedlam a little bit later on in this year between Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. But Sam Darnold, despite the so-so performance, is tied with Lamar Jackson at uh plus 550, and that's essentially a little bit more than five to one. It means a hundred dollar better. If you want Darnold to, if you bet on Darnold, you can win $550 and Lamar Jackson off of a tough game and off of a uh, loss where traditionally the Heisman trophy winners from a team that usually wins nine or 10 games. But uh, look, he's still got a chance to, uh, to bounce back and you know, he is, he's no longer the odds one favorite, but that's not too bad. He's tied for number two behind Baker Mayfield.
1: And we did have like, you know, he had the ball with 39 seconds left down by three and you know, he, he'd done some great things, but you're going to look at those numbers at the end. And if you throw two picks a game, that's going to be hard to win.
0: Yeah, he did win with the game on the line and you know, who knows maybe even the, the season on the line. I think the truth is at the end of the year, the uh, people who vote for the Heisman, they don't really break it down game by game as much as we may think. And you know, look if USC, if uh, they win the, uh, the pac 12 or at the very least, You know, they have maybe one or two losses maximum, and Darnold can really improve on that uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio. He can still definitely pull it out, but uh, to to say the least, he's got to cut down on those mistakes.
1: All right, Joe Duffy, CEO of Offshore Insiders. He's here on behalf of mybookie.ag. Joe, thanks again for uh, sharing your insights, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Ryan, much appreciated. We will talk next week. All right, thanks, Joe, and thanks, everyone, for tuning into the Parasite Podcast, and we will talk to you next time.